Welcome to Simple Theology. You gonna do that again? Uh, you said last time I get to start this one. Okay, take it away. You got it. Welcome to Simple Theology. We're glad you're here. Uh, you're a valuable member of this team because this is a, po- <laughs> a, a podcast connecting. This is so bad. Theology to everyday life. How do we do that, you ask? Ah, I'm glad you asked that question. By examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. And I will add, um, my name is Rick Gromlick. I'm here with um, Bobby K. Bobby K. Rob Kane. Um, Rob, your wife's cookies are really good. I would love to agree with you. However, I haven't had one yet. I got Rob a cookie. Instead there are the, two cookies out here, one for Rick, one for me. Rick has eaten both of them. I, I, <laughs> you can take your time telling that story. Rick ate both of them. Oh, but as we're talking about scripture, context is important. Context is, yeah, I did, I did <laughs> eat both, but I brought it out here for Rob. Set it down. Rob, here's a cookie for you. And uh, it sits there, and it sits there, starting to melt. I'm like, well, let me move it so it gets on the wire. She's like, just eat it, man. That's fine. I don't care. Just eat it. So I eat it. First bite, not even like a second into that. Rob's like, thanks for eating my cookie. Jerk. I said, you're pretty selfish. That's yeah. a pretty selfish move, Rick. Yeah. For eating the cookie you told me to eat? Yeah. Whatever, man. You don't know how it is. It. They're good. They're, there's like a bazillion more in the fridge. And yeah. there's even more in you the know, freezer. You know what happened last night? Is I'm we, eating some of this right now. So we went out on the radio and got some ice cream, right? Okay. And we came back. And Neville had thrown up twice. Yeah, she said that. Dude, he got up on the kitchen table and ate like half a plate of cookies. I don't know why you thought you were going to leave your dog, full-grown dog, in a home with cookies on the counter. Okay, so first off, he's not that tall. So he can he, get on the table. He you can barely reach the table if he were to be on his hind legs. Like, he can get his paws there, but... Dogs can jump, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> jumped Surprise, up, snagged surprised it. Surprised didn't know jumped that. Jumped up, snagged it. No, and... And man, he had never done that successfully, to my knowledge, before. And come home, and he's like laying there, and there's throw up on the ground, uh. and half a plate of cookies is gone. And quickly do the math. Yeah, he knew he knew he was in trouble. But anyway, Rick, as this Neville as, as Neville was unable to resist the the wafting smells of of my wife's delectable cookies. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Uh, irresistible grace. So with our quest to, to discuss TULIP, we've talked about total depravity, unlimited... Ele- you didn't even acknowledge my transition there. That was election. Yeah, it was, radio it was, gold. No, it wasn't. Um, unconditional election. Neville was unable to resist. Limited, <laughs> I heard what you said. No, I... <laughs> today we're talking about irresistible grace. Limited atonement, and then finally, irresistible grace. So we're gonna talk about that, and then you said irresistible grace. Finally, next is the preservation of the saints. But yeah, today, Rob, actually, we're today we're gonna to talk about irresistible grace. Um, so in a similar way that Neville could not resist your wife's cookies, we once God begins to work in us, we cannot resist God, mm. and that's a good thing. You no, know it would be really nice is if we had like a formal definition. Oh gosh. You just can't even like give a guy a minute to wipe his face after he eats cookies. I wasn't trying to rush you. I was just trying so to we do throw have, the bait out there. Uh, man, I'm not a fish. You are degrading. You know that? You're a degrading co-host. You are so. Is your neighbor there? There's screen from the windows on their yeah, roof. Yeah, it's been there for a while. Why don't you go get it for him? 
I can't reach their roof. You have a ladder? I don't think I do. I what think we of, did, but we were borrowing. What man are you? You have a ladder. Oh, this is the problem with America. Would you move on? All right. Baker's Commentary of Theological Terms, which is put together by Dr. Greg Allison. You say commentary? It's a compact dictionary, baby. What did I say? Baker's Compact, compact Dictionary of Theological Terms. There you go. Um, this is the definition. Quote, one aspect of the Reformed doctrine of salvation, focusing on the uh, certainty of God's work to effect salvation because of sinfulness, people are characterized by total depravity. Quote, or not quote, parenthesis, every aspect of human nature is corrupt. Close parenthesis. And total inability. Parenthesis, human <laughs> efforts. Is in, dude, you always get mad at me for not reading. Every <laughs> aspect. Say parenthesis. <laughs> I'm saying uh, parenthesis, you know, open parenthesis, close parenthesis. So I'll just read it anyway. Uh, because of sinful man's, and we've covered some of these things, so you guys got this. Because of sinfulness, people are characterized by total depravity and total inability of um to the elect. This is so bad. Dude, I, I don't know why you gave this to me to read. <laughs> you know when you're walking down the road, you're like, man, this is just not going good. But you don't know how to turn that shit back around. <laughs> Stuff has hit the fan on this one. I'm totally lost. Like, it starts off with a sentence and it ends with a. Just take it from the top. Start yeah, from the hold top. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta figure out where I got lost at. Can't <laughs> even find need, myself. Don't need to worry about where you got lost at. Okay, from, from the, the top. top. One aspect of the Reformed doctrine of salvation focusing on the certainty of God's work to affect salvation. <laughs> Rubber, if you can't bring it back around. <laughs> because of sinfulness. <laughs> Oh, I can't do this with Robert laughing the whole time. You got this. Because of sinfulness, people are characterized by total depravity and total inability. To the elect, God grants grace by his favor alone. He calls, justifies, unites to Christ, regenerates, regenerates, adopts, and sanctifies. He preserves, and this work is effective. So he does all those things for the elect. Um, irresistibility does not mean that people are forced to repent and believe. Rather, the elect are enabled to embrace salvation, which they certainly do. So that definition by Baker um, gave us no help. One, because I apparently can't read. But two, <laughs> after was, reading it through wow, second time, I was struggling over there. I'm still not sure exactly what he's what he's trying to say. Um, I'm going to read this last part again to the elect. God grants grace. By his favor alone, he calls, justifies, unites to Christ, regenerates, adopts, sanctifies, preserves. And this work is effective. Irresistibility does not mean that people are forced to repent and believe. Rather, the elect are enabled, enabled to embrace salvation, which they will certainly do. So what he's saying is to God's elect, he grants all these things. But it's also it's effective, but it's also good to know that um, irresistibility does not mean that we are forced. Like, hey, you can never be wooed to God. You're forced to follow him. But rather that as God begins a work in your heart, you can't resist him because he's changing your your desires. He's changing what you seek after. Um, I think it was um, Bruce Ware that said that true freedom is doing what we most desire. And 
apart from apart from God intervening, we most desire sin. And then when God does intervene and make us a new creation and give us eyes to see and ears to hear, he gives us new desires. And so those new desires change what we want to do. And so we then want to follow Christ. We then want to be like Christ, not because we are pulled against our will, but because our desires have changed. And so the irresistibility doesn't necessarily mean that we're forced to repent and believe, but we, upon that regeneration, upon that becoming a new creature, we desire yeah. to repent and yep. we are given faith. Which is is key to understanding this whole this whole thing about irresistible grace. Um, did you put any other like other definitions that people use for this? Nope, you're looking at the same notes I am. Well, I'm looking at it. Okay. Smart Alec. Jeez. One in every crowd. <laughs> All right, Rob. So uh, tell us the difference between uh, resistible grace and irresistible grace. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple verses that when people hear about irresistible grace that they may have some contention with. And so they, they bring up these verses because it's, they say, look, it looks like God's people are resisting God's grace. And so the two verses that they look at, the first one is Acts 7.51, which says, which is God speaking, and he says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Sorry about that. Hit your mic. Yeah. Can you, <clears throat> can you edit that out? Probably not. <laughs> but he says, you I'm stiff-necked. sorry about that then. Right, come on. You're <laughs> killing me. <laughs> Acts 7.51. This episode has just been going swimmingly. <laughs> the listeners are probably like, So we start out. These guys this are is like, terrible. All right, let's just wing it. Like, we have tons of notes. I'm going to tell you right now, Rob has five pages of notes on this, which is ridiculous because it's called simple theology. Okay. But I love your heart, Rob. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not ridiculous. But I'm like, hey, if we're going to go through and divvy all this up, let's just go for it. Let's just wing it. I think this can still wing be redeemed. It two minutes in. <laughs> oh, man. We start with the definition, the first thing on the notes. Oh, man. And I can't contain myself. Ooh, and you can't read. I apologize for that. Um, all right. For those who are still with us. For those yeah. who have not given up on this episode. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. For showing grace to us. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <clears throat> okay, so Acts <laughs> 751, that first verse where it seems like people are resisting God's graces. God is saying, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. And then Romans 1021, but to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. So it seems like people are resisting grace, right? Uh, Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, why not? But this episode is obviously irresistible grace, and mm -hmm. so there are just right. as many, actually well, more verses that yeah. would convince us of irresistible grace. So there's Yeah, so the, to flesh that a little bit, people can resist what God, uh, they can resist him, and that's what they desire, because they desire to rebel, they're enemies of God, yep. and so their desire is to resist, and so they do. However, when God begins to regenerate, and he changes our heart, then it becomes irresistible. We cannot deny it. Isaiah 57, 17 through 19 says, Because of his sinful greed, I was angry, so I struck him. I was angry and hid, but he went on turning back to the desires of his heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore, com restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating words of praise. The Lord says, Peace, peace to the one who is far or near. I will heal him. I think, I think what that passage yeah. says right there is 
a great clarification of what you just said that grace can be resisted yeah but when god intervenes that's when it's irresistible and so right. that part right there he said he says i've seen his wicked ways right but he went on turning back to the desires of his heart. And so we freely do what we most desire. Yeah. And God's talking about how this individual went back to the desires of his heart. But God says, I will heal yeah. him. I yep. will lead him. I will, he says, I will heal him again. And so <clears throat> exactly what you were saying, that grace can be resisted. But as soon as God intervenes and begins to woo someone to himself yes that's where we see irresistible grace yes and uh, john six thirty seven says everyone the father gives me will come to me and th this idea that um god does not fail in bringing people to himself um god will bring it to completion as we we said last episode the episode before philippians 1 6 he will he will finish this work and it, that begins by him regenerating our heart and we can't resist him because he changes what we we desire. Um, it's like people's preferences in food. Like you, you know, your preference changes, then you want something, right? Um, so this is gonna sound weird, but like I'm starting to like uh, beets. I don't know if you ever like beets. No, I do right? not. Right. So most of my life never liked beets. My parents eat them. I thought they're gross, disgusting. Did not want them. But my appetite is changing. My preference is changing and sound naturally, not forced, but I naturally want beets because that has changed in me. Yeah. That's kind of a shallow um, analogy. You fit right into Australia. They put beets on their hamburgers. Shout out to Pete. Pete. He loves it, man. Miss you, brother. We need to move to Australia. That's right. We do. Pete, you got space in your home? Pete, we're moving in. <laughs> All right, so there's a lots of thoughts about this when people talk about irresistible grace and the fact that we cannot deny God. It feels as almost um, like he's strong-arming us or it's not our choice, all these different things. But Rob, walk us through some different takes on this and, and uh, how we kind of arrive at the point of irresistible grace. Yeah, so Desiring God did us a solid and has an article. Did a what? Did us a solid. You never heard that? Okay. It's like doing a favor. Yeah. What are you, 45? You've never heard that? No, 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 no. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've heard it. <clears throat> um, and so we will we will link to that, but we can't claim um, original invention of these six. We're not going to claim original invention like anything we talk about. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we borrow from everybody, so. Everyone borrows from everybody. No one's original. Except for God. EBE. EBE? Everybody borrow from everybody. <laughs> what? You ever watch, uh, what's the one with Will Ferrell? E-L-E? Everybody loves well, what's everybody? with these acronyms? <laughs> well, I got E B E from E L E. What's E L E? Everybody love everybody. Is that a show or something? It's from it's a basketball movie that he was in. Like, the name of it slipped my mind. Listeners are probably yelling it right now, but I can't remember it. I don't hear anybody yelling. <laughs> I hear nothing. <laughs> anyway, okay. So there are six arguments for irresistible grace. Desiring God has produced these. And we're just going to go through them one at a time. The first one is that faith and repentance are a gift of God. And so we are looking at Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And then Romans 12, 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think 
so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And then there's more verses, but we don't have the time or the space to go through that. Right. But we can link them in the notes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll link notes. the article in the notes. You guys can go through that and look at um, every supporting verse for that. And we would suggest you to. It's, it's really solid stuff. But for the sake of time, we've already botched this episode in the way that we've handled time and had our lack of ability with reading. But the first what, argument. Why do I keep saying that? What do you mean? Can't dog at me about my reading skills, dude. I just stuttered like three times I'm sorry, reading man. that. Sorry, I'm you're not the only one. Level. I'm struggling. Sorry, I'm sorry that I'm not smart enough for you, Rob. Apology accepted. What's our <laughs> okay. get number two? Uh, we cannot <laughs> come to Christ unless God draws us. Again, John six twenty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up on the last day. Um, so this idea that okay, we don't get to kind of wake up and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to choose Jesus today. Or, hey, I'm going to win some souls to Jesus today. I'm going to convince people. I'm going to talk people into following Jesus today. It doesn't work that way. God, in his sovereignty, um, is working in hearts, and he regenerates those hearts, and he draws people to himself. This is not our work to do. It's his work to do. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so the first thing we saw was that salvation is a gift. Yeah. And then we cannot come to God unless God draws us. So there's no way unless we receive this gift. And so the third argument being God's effectual calling overcomes resistance to the gospel. Yeah. And so we cannot go to God unless he calls us, and him yes. calling us is a gift. We, we in our depravity, do not naturally go that way, but yes. God's effectual calling overcomes our resistance. And so 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 22, says, Indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so the, the argument, or point number four, the new birth enables us to receive Christ. So again, he changes our heart. He makes us new, and this is what enables us to receive Christ. First John one five, First John chapter five verse one: Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. So we that that we are um, regenerated, born again, created new. It's because of that work that we can receive um, Christ. And we, we don't resist him. Again, it kind of goes back. I mean, you might listen to this and think we're parsing hairs with all these arguments, but they're actually really important. But the point is that because of what Christ has done in us, we then receive Christ openly, knowing yeah. that we need him. Yeah. And then the, the fifth argument being that the new covenant promises grace that will triumph over resistance. So we can uh, first read the problem of the old covenant in Deuteronomy 29 verses 2 through 4, and it says, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and all his land, the great trials which your eyes have seen, those great signs and wonders. Yet to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. And, and what we see is that the new covenant is God's answer to that. Jeremiah 31 talks about how he's going to put a, a new heart, a heart of flesh in his people. 
And what we see in the new covenant is that through Christ dying on the cross, he is then able to take away our sin and make us a new creature that now has a new heart of flesh that desires God rather than rebels against him. And so these Old Testament passages, there's a whole list in this article, check it out, but they talk about how we on our own are incapable of coming to him. And so something must be done. And by God's grace, the new covenant answers that problem. Absolutely. Uh, Number six, who then can resist his will? Who can resist God's will? And this is actually a really good pivotal question because when you think about it, like who can resist God's will? Um, First you'd say, well, nobody. Like no one can resist God's will. And last episode, we did a whole chunk on Romans 9. But as you read Romans 9, 14 through 23, you get this idea that God does what he desires. And who, what is a man to resist God or to, to say, hey, what are you doing or why are you doing this? Um, he is the, the potter, we are the clay, and we give God glory for that. Thankfully, he is the potter, that he is sovereign over those things. But I do want to parse out, and we've talked about this before on one of the episodes, I think, about God's will of desire and his will of decree. Mm-hmm. And that God's will of decree are are things that are, and His even though that does does not always match up His will of desire. So His will of desire is that everyone is obedient and everyone um, respect and honor men and, and love and cherish their children, all these things. But His will of decree is that there are lost people, and that but He will redeem them. So in one sense, you can resist God's will of desire but you cannot resist his will of decree mm-hmm. um, and that he will see happen. Yeah. So ultimately, so this is a great six arguments that Desiring God lays out. And uh, like I said, we'll link to that in the show notes. Go check it. But this should shape our lives in various different ways. Yes. And so, Rick, what's the first way that the doctrine of irresistible grace should shape our life. Yeah, and we've said this in the last several episodes, but evangelism. Again, only hmm, God... It's almost like evangelism is important to like, the Christian life. And to, like, Reformed Calvinists. Yeah. <laughs> or Reformed people, Calvinists. Because if I said, like, Reformed Calvinists, it's kind of like a yeah, you know, exactly. redundancy statement. Yep. Uh, anyway, evangelism. Only God can open hearts to respond to the gospel. This is His work to do. It's not our work to do, but we are, have to be, we must be faithful in evangelism and sharing our faith sharing the gospel, what God has done yeah. in our own lives. And it should also affect the way that we pray. Because yeah. if if no one can come to God unless he draws them, and if he draws them, then that um, grace becomes irresistible, then we should all the more bring right. to God our desires to see people saved. Right. And so if you have a, a friend or a co-worker or a family member who does not know the Lord and you have been praying for them, be encouraged that you are doing exactly what you're called to do in bringing that request to the Lord and then go the extra step and then share the gospel with them and trust that the gospel, that God's word does not go out void. But ultimately, we bring those prayer requests to God because he is the one who can bring those things to the desired outcome that we have. Apart from him, no one's coming to him. And so we we pray to him and ask that he would save people because apart from him acting, it just isn't going to happen. I agree. 
That's great. I'm thankful that you agree. <laughs> I'm in agreement with you. Um, <laughs> I totally zoned out. <laughs> That's awesome, man. This episode has just been so good. We I are, feel like it's all my fault. You know what? We Which are, one did you just talk about? We are providing such prayer? rich content <laughs> for our listeners. Please tell, you, tell me you just did prayer, though. I did do prayer. Okay. That makes me feel better. Because what I was thinking about is, in some ways, I thought, the next point is praise. We should thank God all the more for his saving work and that we should give him praise. But my mind kind of went on a rabbit trail. Like, I think we really have to be appraising people if we also want to be a praying people. And mm-hmm. that if we want to, to impact just our own personal lives, I mean, if we're not, if you feel a lack of desire to pray, chances are you're not doing very much praising either. And so to praise the Lord and give him the glory for what he's doing will also stir your heart for prayer. Mm, so yeah. it wasn't like completely a waste, my little Robert Chow. No, that's a good point. But I totally that, zoned out. That was like, a great point. Anyway, sorry. Anywho, we, we're, we're bringing this thing to the end, Ooh, and we, we might be able to save this up. bad boy. So another thing that your just grace should affect, should shape, is our humility. Because yes. ultimately it was not us who had enough wisdom to go towards God. It was because God drew us to himself. We have been extended grace by God, and he changed us to become a new creation, and he drew us to himself. Our humility, when we think about that, should reach new heights, and our arrogance should plummet. Yeah, it, it should, and it should create a dependency on God that we should feel like all our work is for nothing apart from God working through us. Mm-hmm. Everything we do, it has to be Him doing it. Um, every, everything, whether it being good parents, uh, good s- students, followers of Christ, neighbors, we need God to work through us for any of these things to truly be effective. Um, it kind of goes back to that total depravity piece that like, apart from God, you can do nothing. Yeah. Apart from a desire, it's all selfish. So we need him to do those things. And so understanding this irresistible grace that, um, man, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, there's there's a popular phrase that says, work as if it all depends on you and pray as if it all depends on God because at the end of the day, it does all depend on God. So why would you work as if it depended on you then? Because then that means you're working hard. Yeah, that's, I mean... That, it could be so, a bogus statement, but I think for the point... Are you trying to tell our listeners a bogus statement, Rob? Yeah. There's nothing I enjoy more than wow. leading our listeners astray. I knew it. I knew it. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's important that as we kind of go through this, the doctrine of irresistible grace some kind, sometimes can be seen as the lighter one of the five points. Um, but the reality is if you're if you're totally depraved, um, God has to change you and he, he elects you through that. But he doesn't elect. He only elects some. And because of that, he draw. He woos you to himself. He doesn't force himself upon you. He just changes your appetite. But if he never did that, you would stay in that depraved state. If he didn't elect you, he wouldn't and and atone for your sin and pay the price. Um, then you would resi- you would be resisting him. But because he did those things, because he atoned, because he's elected you out of your depraved state. You can't resist him. Yeah. It's like that so, cookie. I just couldn't, I just mm, couldn't resist you it. You could not resist stealing my cookie. I so couldn't. if you like today's episode, 
uh, go ahead and share it with somebody. Uh, let us know about it by leaving us a rating on iTunes or leave us a review. If you do leave us a review, we will give you a shout out. So make it a good a good one if it's uh, really funny. Or no, you know what? Either way, you leave us a review, we'll read it online or on air. On the uh, program. On the way. And you can uh, reach us at Facebook, on Facebook, at facebook.com. Go on there, log in, put all your information in. I don't have a Facebook account, so I don't worry about it. But if you're on Facebook, check out Simple Theology. If you're on Twitter, go to simple, at Simple Theology underscore. We do have a website, though, that Rob has put a lot of time into and I endorse. And you can check that out at simpletheology.org. Through there, you can support us via Patreon. We're just going to Patreon directly. We also do have a deal going with Audible, audibletrial.com slash simpletheology. You can get a free book. We get a kickback. It's a win-win for both sides, baby. Yeah. Sign up for that trial. Hook us up. Thank you for being so patient. Yeah. This has been a train wreck of an episode, I feel like. It sure But you has. know what, though? i tell you what. We're what, just peeling my, back the curtain. My, uh, inviting the listeners into the production. and The real life us. Yeah. Letting them know that, hey, uh, even though that it, we sound like we each have a PhD in this. A couple of them. A couple of them. I mean, each. I would be insulted if they thought we only had one. Yeah. So... Even though we sound like absolute professionals, we're really not. We're not. We're just a couple of average Joes, we're not, guys. Actually, we're sitting in a garage, and as people walk by, like people are looking at us and like, what the heck are these people doing? Um, anyway, yeah. um, I will say, though, as my experience preaching, it's probably not the same with podcasting, but usually when you do your worst, people are like, hey, that was really good. Now, I don't know if it's actually good or if they're just trying to like, be yeah. nice. Like, that was really this good. This guy could really use some encouragement. That's right. I need to make sure I say good job today. Anyway, thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate we do appreciate you guys listening. Um, Thank you. We're for your almost patience. thirty episodes into this. I think this is like round thirty or somewhere. This might be thirty. This might be thirty. And um, I tell you what, if no one listened to this, we would not be going to episode thirty. We would have jumped off this a long time ago. So, peace out. Peace.